Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 196 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Miracle. Jacob, what just up? a just a freaking pleasure as always. I mean, I always think it is. <laughs> I, it's a highlight of my week is when we're, we're doing this, let me tell you. It's a good time. I have a, I have a really great weekend planned where I'm just gardening and oh, doing cool. house projects. I couldn't be happy. Here. That sounds awful. <laughs> See, that, that's how you tell the difference in our personalities. Because I'm like, mm, I don't want to do any of that. I think I'm going to go and, you know, run around and hopefully it's not going to be a thousand degrees outside. And I would never want to run. That is that is a no for oh, me. We'll see. See, there, there are two we're two sides of a pod. We then. just reach out into the ether and we touch fingertips when it comes to Nicolas Cage. That's right. Yeah, it's like that uh, the painting on the top of the Sistine Chapel. It's like right in the middle is Nick Cage's face as we're doing the finger touch. Holy cow, someone needs to Photoshop us doing I, that. It's already being worked on as we speak, I assure you. We got, but, our, got our cover for season seven of All Booked Up. Is this going to be that image? Well, we have potential dates in the future. So we have our potential, um, our Nick Cage hangout for when his new movie comes out on DVD. Mm-hmm. That's and exciting. It's amazing. Since we did our last Nick Cage episode, he's put out so many awesome movies that we could just do another one. Just awesome Nick is, Cage too. is a tough word, but I thought of you so much. Over the last weekend, because we went to see the new Top Gun. Oh, okay. And every time Tom Cruise ran, I was like, whatever. Jacob and I talked about it first. Oh, I, I We discussed how he runs before it became a thing. He, he made it a thing. It's a Tom Cruise thing. Not only that, he is running in Top Gun, people. Think about how useless that did not need to be in that movie. It didn't, but we, we needed to see it. <laughs> and they do a trailer for the new Mission Impossible, and then you get to see him run again. See? Of course he's running. Of course. <laughs> I, I was um, looking up movies because I wanted to see the new Jurassic Park, only because I haven't liked the new movies, mm-hmm. but I like the nostalgia of the old characters oh, sure. being in it. But it's getting terrible reviews that yeah, it's I, really boring. Yeah, I hear it's awful. Just um, terrible. <laughs> but I saw one review, and it made me so happy. And it was, if if Tom Cruise was in this movie, he would have used real dinosaurs. <laughs> I mean, it's very much true. And, and he would have rode him. He would have like been flying out. Oh, of my us. God, dude. Tom Cruise riding a dino. Oh, Jesus. There, there was this old uh, cartoon series called Dino Riders that I remember from oh, being I a kid. Oh, I don't even know it. It is uh, guys go get shot into the past. They're, you know, futuristic dudes. They get shot into a past with dinosaurs, and they start putting laser beams and uh, oh. armor on dinosaurs that they ride to fight their enemies. It is, Seems flawless. I can't believe it has been made into a movie <laughs> at this point. I kind of want to see it with Tom Cruise. Oh, now. sounds so It's a billion-dollar idea. Put, but <laughs> release that in the Leonardo DiCaprio Gundam movie in the same um, month, and then nobody will know what to do. You'll be using your movie pass so much. You're dang right, I will be. Um, but yeah, so last weekend, you know, I was out. I went for a little breakfast, get myself a nice cup of tea, mm-hmm. some eggs mm-hmm. over medium, rye toast. Over medium. That's my diner order. Well, yeah, because sometimes over easy, it's just too goopy. I did over know. hard, you get no yolk. Over medium, perfection. I actually didn't even know it was an option. I'm oh, it's like, an option. Hey, bro, just cook up those eggs. So I could dip my bread in there. It's the best option. But then, you know, while I was there, I was thinking, why is there no other place that is like a diner? Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, th- yeah. does any other place comprise more Americanness than a greasy spoon? Yeah, not really, man. Everybody, everybody's got bars. Everybody's got other stuff. It's kind of an American thing when you think of that diner girl coming up in roller skates, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you do have that. I mean, I don't know. It's just that there's something really appealing and kind of satisfying about it, especially the ones that have not 
come into this century. Yeah. I like oh, the really yeah. old looking ones. So like, I don't know if it's the cheapness or the accessibility of the diner, the localness. I feel like there's a nostalgia, especially in those old ones that still are in that train car shape, you know? Oh, and those are the best ones. I mean, that's what you want in a diner. You got that counter on the left-hand side oh, while you're sitting in your booth you on walk the right. You're so happy. And I feel like so many of the diners that we encounter today are actually, they're kind of relics of an earlier time and different aesthetics. Like you get your roadhouses along the interstates mm-hmm. and breakfast places in small towns. Um, I think in busy cities, you're kind of like, ooh, that's a little, my little, that's going to be my non-hip little spot of peace that I can yeah. sit in. It's like, oh, I need, a, I need some food on a Sunday morning. Where am I going to go and get some eggs? Or when it's like 3 a.m. and you're leaving the bar and you're like, where am I going to get some oh. eggs? <laughs> Shout out to uh, oh, Panos 1.0 for all of us uh, Elmwood kids from back in the day. Oh, back in the day before they moved. Yeah, well, they're still before there. Before they got fancy. Yeah, they're still there. It's just it's not the same, man. It's not the same. It's not the same. But, but there'll always be the town. But, you know... You kind of think like have diners played such a large part in the American imagination in part because of their just indelible place in cinema. I mean, especially cinema of past eras, but even still now, you get so many movies, you have that diner scene, mm-hmm. and like what is the appeal? Like why do we keep doing that? Well, everybody got they got to drink cheap coffee while they're sitting there. They get that scene, and throw the quarter on the table. Totally, and they have like their most important discussions there. So we, I was just kind of thinking, and then we talked about like, you know, diners are important to me. They're important to movies. So why don't we talk about some of those scenes? Like how do diners function in film? Um, like we said, they're often the site of like a crucial conversation mm-hmm. or maybe you get those hushed threats where they're all holding their guns under the table oh well i <laughs> I, I gotta rem- i think i remember something that uh did that that might come up during this episode oh we'll i think see. it will but i think it's because by nature places that are so normal in down home that nothing exciting ever seems to happen mm. that it makes for a more exciting scene when something wild does happen yep when it when stuff goes down oh it goes down it goes down so yeah so today we are going to talk about the most memorable um diner scenes in crime films specifically so that we don't go off the map here because there's a lot of them so the rules to this there's one rule and that is that it's going to be crime films does that work for you oh that works for me don't worry about it okay so there's no one harry met sally there's no back to the future no diner we're specifically staying away from that exactly that's a good (laughs) call so um we're gonna stick with crime films but this was fun to put together it was so fun watching these clips we do have a couple but for the most part because they're crime films we couldn't grab these clips. They are so full of curse words. Oh. Even the ones that I have that are tamer, I'm still going to have to beep some stuff up. I didn't even bother sending my list to Michelle ahead of time for like clips and stuff because what's the point when everything I have is just going to be a beep mess? <laughs> yes. like, let's not even bother with mine. Um, but I'm going to start with what I think is one of the best scenes in all of cinema history okay. that takes place in Ooh. a diner. I like it. And this is from Pulp Fiction. Of course. Um, Quentin does love his diner scenes. He does love his diner scenes. This one is actually split into two scenes from the first and the last scene of a movie, Mm -hmm. which was a really awesome way to do it. So we have Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer, and they're a couple who plan to rob this diner. 
Little do they know that Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta are a few booths over, and I'm sure you've seen Pulp Fiction, and they are very serious hitmen oh, that yeah. you don't want to mess with Ju- Jules and Vince are not screwing around at this point. They are not in the mood to be dealing with robbers. Correct. So Samuel L. Jackson has this psalm quote at the ready for just such an occasion. Um, do we know it? Blessed is he who, in the name of charity and goodwill, shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness. I feel like a lot of people know it. Exactly. I Um, I, I was right. I was right there with you. Yeah. And he usually says it to people before he kills them. That's his whole bit. But he's Mm kind of going through a life change. Trying to be a a better guy by this point. Trying to be a better guy. Um, We we learn that he has the greatest wallet of all time in the scene. So it's really powerful. So I really wanted a clip. But honestly, I would have to cut so much out. And to me, like I will edit scenes for time and length, but I think it's such a perfect scene that it didn't feel right to change it at all. So this is one, um, if you're not familiar, I mean, just watch the film. Um, Yeah. But if you are, it's fun to just go back and watch it because it's really a great moment. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen Pulp Fiction, I don't really know what to tell you at this point, man. I mean, it's just one of the classic movies of all time. I was laughing the other day because on the internet, there was uh, somebody that came, wrote an article. It's like, you know what? Maybe Forrest Gump really did deserve Best Picture over Pulp Fiction. And I was like, I laughed in my own head uh, and almost a little bit out loud Such thinking about that. different movies, though. Those are two hard movies to compare. But Pulp Fiction, yeah, that's it, like a... It, they're hard movies cow. to compare, but Pulp Fiction's a better movie by like a factor of 10. <laughs> that's, that Be cool, opinion. honey bunny. <laughs> yeah. Tim Roth. Met. The last time I watched uh, Forrest Gump was, I don't know, four or five years ago. I maybe saw parts of it. It's just yeah. not, a, not a good movie if you ask me, everybody. But. but this is great. There are other. Are you doing a. Do you have any Pulp Fiction on your list or no? Uh, well, we got the. Um, I do have Pulp Fiction actually. Okay, I was wondering because we get a couple good diner scenes. Yeah, like we said, with, with Tarantino, you know, it's not just that he's. <laughs> Loves the diner scene. He did multiple diner scenes in his second movie, so we'll think about that. Yeah. Another iconic scene in Pulp Fiction, of course, is the um, one in the middle where they have the Uma Thurman, John Travolta uh, date scene. Where oh, they're yeah. In, uh, was it Jackrabbit's, uh, Jackrabbit Slims, I think it's called? Oh, that's good. See, I don't remember the name. Excellent. Oh, I'm t- telling you, when it's a good movie, you pay attention <laughs> to it. Um, so, yeah, this is the scene where, uh, if you haven't seen it again, uh, John Travolta is basically uh, given a job by his boss, played by Ving Rhames, to take his wife out on the town and keep her entertained. Everybody's kind of teasing him that it's a date. He keeps insisting it's not. And then the diner scene kind of points out, uh-oh, this, this kind of turned into a date when it wasn't supposed to. And this is where actually I believe it's hard to think of in the most iconic scene in a movie like Pulp Fiction, but I feel like the dance scene yeah. is probably agreed. It's probably the scene for this one. So, you know, they get into a dance contest while they're discussing $5 milkshakes and uh, failed <laughs> Which TV Which now careers. is, like, so cheap, like a good $5 milkshake. Oh, $5 milkshake, absolutely, man. Like, bring that to me. They're usually 10 <laughs> 7 to $10. Um, but, yeah, it's another great example of you can use a diner scene to, you know, get characters to get to know each other. You get intimate with them. You get the audience to kind of feel nice with them. Yeah. And you get to take advantage of your actors being known for his dancing skills and People don't yeah, really because it. we forget that John Travolta was kind of missing for quite a while until Pulp Fiction. This was like his call back to stardom. Yeah, like, and we were like, "Oh wow, 
John Travolta and then the dancing and all of that. And then we loved him and then he got weird again. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, he was making talking baby dog movies and then he was making Pulp Fiction. It was quite a, yeah. your neck hurts from the whiplash of Quentin, that one. Quentin's good with that. But yeah, it's still a fantastic diner scenes in Pulp Fiction up and down, man. Like, yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to do one. This is a small diner scene, but it's one of my favorites also. So from The Big Lebowski. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about a scene we cannot play on the show. Well, I'm going to try to play <laughs> oh boy. a bit of it. But so the diner scene in The Big Lebowski is one of the most exemplary examples of character-driven scenes ever filmed. I mean, that whole film really is. And it's also one of the funniest scenes in the movie. How was John Goodman not nominated for his role is beyond me. How he doesn't have an Oscar period is amazing to me. But in this movie especially, like, how? He's like the... In a movie with Jeff uh, Bridges, he is, like, stealing every scene that he's in. Absolutely. So, um, as he said, Jeff Bridges is the dude. And he's looking for this kidnapped girl... It's kind of a whole thing. It's, but a anyway, whole, it's a whole thing. He's looking for a kidnapped girl, and her toe is, like, sent to her family, who's like, oh, my gosh, we got to get this girl. They just sent her the toe. Um, and he's telling Walter, who is John Goodman, about, you know, this terrible <laughs> situation that Walter's not really buying. So I'm going to play a clip. By God, sir, I will not abide another toe. I hear the cottonwoods whispering above. That wasn't her toe, dude. <laughs> Whose toe was it, Walter? What the f should I know? I do know that nothing about it indicates... Yeah, it the nail a... polish, Walter. Fine, dude. Because if it's impossible to get some nail polish, apply it to someone else's toe. Someone else? Yours. Where the f are they going to get... You want a toe? I can get you a toe. Believe me. There are ways, dude. But you don't want to know about it, believe me. Yeah, but Walter... Hell, I can get you a toe by 3 o'clock this afternoon with nail polish. Walter. They sent us a toe. We're supposed to get ourselves with fear. Jesus Christ. Walter. Now, the point is... They're going to kill her, Walter, and then they're going to kill me. Dude. That's... That's just the stress talking, man. Now, so far, we have what appears to me to be a series of victimless crimes. What about the toe? Forget about Toe. Excuse me, sir. Could you please keep your voices down? This is a family restaurant. Oh, please, dear. For your information, the Supreme Court has roundly rejected on, prior restraint. This is not a First Amendment thing, sir, man. If you don't calm down, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Lady, I got buddies who died face down in the muck so that you and I can enjoy this family restaurant. All right, I'm out of here. Hey, dude, don't go away, man. Come on, this affects all of us, man. Our basic freedoms. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic stuff. Uh, so many beeps. I feel like I couldn't even understand that. <laughs> it's been too long since I watched that movie. I think I, I think it's about time to throw it on in the background when I'm doing something. I think that is also correct. <laughs> oh, Big Lebowski. All about it, man. Freaking nihilists, man. <laughs> <laughs> But no. if you haven't seen it, I'm not even going <clears> to <throat> describe it more than that. It's just one that you need to check out, but classic scene. It's an all-time classic, everybody. This go, is not go check a it out. First Amendment thing, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> it really, right. really ties the room together. <laughs> <laughs> all 
All right, so next one I'm going to go with. I know we said that nothing really ever happens in diners, but this movie po- um, posits, what if something major did? That's 2005's A History of Violence, the David Cronenberg, Viggo Mortensen classic Oh, movie. yeah. If you haven't seen History of Violence, everybody, oh, boy, are you in for a treat. That's a heck of a movie. So it's based on a graphic novel. Uh, basically, the story is uh, uh, what happens because of this scene. Basically, uh, Viggo Mortensen plays the owner of this small-town cafe diner thing. He's there one late night, you know, just living his small, idyllic uh, home life. We don't know about his past life. We haven't gotten there yet. As far as we know, at this point, he is just a nice family man from nothing, Idaho or Iowa, wherever this is. So then, all of a sudden, these two criminals come into his restaurant and start trouble. And then they quickly find out that this might not be the dude they want to... uh, they want to be messing with because boy oh boy does some violence come out of nowhere in this movie you this movie it's called a history of violence but up until this point even though it's relatively early you are giving no hints that this that's how actually violent this movie is going to get yeah and when he just all of a sudden snaps to protect protect the people in this town that he likes you know living his new life he just goes ultra violent. He goes from zero to twenty. I mean, in he like can't help seconds. it. That's just his. Yeah, it's like his bra- shut it down. You could see where it's like his brain just clicks and he turns into like his old personality. And boy, he takes these guys out with let's say extreme prejudice, <laughs> and then has to spend the next couple of scenes as it's the realization kind of hits him. It's like, uh oh, that's gonna be all over everywhere, and somebody's gonna see that. And oh man, I think I might have just. Screwed up my life. And it's like, it's not that he couldn't have defended himself, but it was just kind of the like precision where I think the people in there were like, this is no schlub who oh, like no. defended his restaurant. Yeah, this guy just took him out in pretty yeah. specific fashion. And that's followed up by the next scene where Ed Harris comes to town dressed all in black, looking mafia as all get out with his face all screwed up. And he's just testing Vigo. He's like, I know who you are, bro. Like, just admit who you are. So they have a very tense back and forth as Vigo is trying to keep his uh, cover intact while Ed Harris is, like, playing along but kind of telling him, I got you, buddy. Why are there not more Vigo movies? That's a good question, man. He's not in a ton of stuff, and whenever he is, I'm really happy about it. The Prophecy was on the other day, and he pops up as uh, the devil in that movie, and I forgot, like, oh, that's right. Oh, I never saw that. He's got the best scene in this movie because he's awesome as the devil, which is not surprising at all. It's hard to imagine because he's sweetie pie. Not enough Vigo works. (laughs) Not enough Vigo. Um, But, yeah, man, if you haven't seen A History of Violence, A, you can check out the graphic novel while you're here. Get the DVD Blu-ray while you're here as well, and just go check them out, man, because they are it's a fantastic movie. Well-deserved Oscars are all around for the cast and the movie. So. Sure, definitely. Okay, another fantastic movie that if you missed, I recommend Full Force, which is Hell or High Water. Oh, my God. Love Especially if you're a film of Yellowstone, a fan of Yellowstone, mm-hmm. I think you'll be into it. Um, uh, TV, same creator. TV show's coming, too. So a Hell or High Water TV show? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, interesting. I'm going to say I love this scene so much. It's not even super relevant to the movie. Doesn't matter. So we have Texas Ranger Jeff Bridges. We got him in here again. Mm-hmm. Um, doing, and, doing one of his tech of war. Yes, very much. And Gil Birmingham, who love we Gil love Birmingham. forever. That's so my dude good. right there. Um, they stop by a local watering hole to see if the bank across the street will be robbed. So they're kind of staking it out. And they encounter... Really tough waitress, played by the great character actress Margaret Bowman. Um, if you watch no other scene that we talk about today, just watch this one. Oh, just fantastic. You'll be speechless. I do have a clip 
but you'll still want to actually watch it because just her face is amazing. The visuals and the body language are a big part of it for sure. But this clip is great. So, what's the plan? We're gonna watch that bank like a deer feeder. In time we'll be right. Now, let's see what they got to eat here. Howdy, ma'am, how you doing today? Hot, and I don't mean the good kind. So what don't you want? Pardon? What don't you want? Oh, well, uh, I think I'll just, uh... You know, I've been working here for 44 years. Ain't nobody ever ordered nothing but T-bone steak and a baked potato. Except this one from New York tried to order trout back in 1987. We don't sell no goddamn trout. T-bone steaks. So either you don't want the corn on the cob or you don't want the green beans. So what don't you want? I don't want green beans. I don't want green beans either. Steaks cooked medium rare. Can I get my steak cooked? That want no question. All right. Iced tea for you boys. Iced tea be great. I'll stay here. Thank you, ma'am. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, Texas. Texas, per- Texas, Texas. It's just perfection. It's just such a good scene, man. It is like a, she's just telling off some Texas I, Rangers, not even My care. favorite thing when she's like medium rare and he's like, I actually, I'd like it. She's like, that wasn't a question. <laughs> you know what? I agree. I agree with her right there. I also agree. Any kind of monster that orders a steak more well done than that, I don't want to speak to you. I just don't know why you're wasting your time. Yeah. Medium rare is well, the way to go. You just want a hamburger? Like, what are we <laughs> doing? A Salisbury steak if you want terrible food. I need to rewatch that movie. Such a good I've movie. I rewatched it recently, and it's still very good. Yeah, excellent one. Yep. I'm so excited. What else you got? All right. So, in honor of his recent passing, we got to bring up the 1990 oh. what should have been Best Picture winner, yes. uh, Goodfellas. Yep. Oh man. Wow, we have another. Oh no, we don't have another Robert De Niro yet. Because I didn't oh, talk this about a Robert, movie, but he's going to pop up again. Well, he's in this scene. This is yeah. the one I'm talking about here. We got a good old Goodfellas. You haven't seen Goodfellas. I'm not even going to. I'm just looking at you judgingly, <laughs> let me tell you right now. Um, but basically, this is after stuff has kind of started to go on the downward turn a little bit. And maybe things aren't too great between uh, Ray Liotta and uh, Robert De Niro at yeah. this point. So they're meeting up in a diner, and De Niro kind of is giving off these weird vibes to Ray Liotta, who kind of knows, like, uh-oh, I screwed up big time, and this guy probably wants to kill me. Yeah. So it's an interesting scene because these guys are like, as close as close can be. Like you guys have been partners for years, and now there's just this un- like tension right underneath the surface of like, I want to kill you. You know I want to kill you, but neither one of us can point out that yeah. they know the other wants to kill you. So I'm telling you to go somewhere and do a thing, and he's like, mm. and It's like, yeah, sure, I'll go do that. It's just, it's such a fantastic scene, and really like wraps up the story and brings it all like an idea of how far things have fallen, all because of you know getting into stuff you shouldn't be doing it's it's crazy too to think they're just in this diner so like you and i are there just eating breakfast and there are these like criminal yeah. mobsters capital like c one criminals table right over which i love thinking of you're like yeah that stuff could be happening all the time i'm it's, this is <laughs> buffalo man i am sure it's <laughs> happening all the time uh but yeah it's just such a good scene to watch 
like two great actors just kind of sitting across from each other, having a good talk, and just getting the whole point of the movie going. Yeah. And just how you can create tension with no actual like threats going on. That's how you, that's how you know you're doing good work all around. So yeah, definitely. And if you haven't seen Goodfellas again, I shake my head at you. Go watch <laughs> it now, everybody. Jacob's judging you. Um. Okay. So now I'll just hop into the other Robert De Niro film. Might as well. Very famous d- diner scene here. Tarantino and De Niro loving diners, man. Yes. Uh, the diner scene in Heat. Oh, of course. It is the culmination of so much cat and mousing in that entire movie. So you have Detective Al Pacino. He finally catches up with thief Robert De Niro. And then they go to a diner mm-hmm. to talk things out. Just chat. Like, we are kind of mortal enemies, but we're going to sit over coffee and we're going to kind of talk. And it's an amazing scene because they calmly sit down. They have this man-to-man chat kind of in an effort to understand each other a little better. Mm-hmm. Both affirming that neither is going to stop what they're doing mm-hmm. and that neither is going to let the other get in their way. Yeah, and they're just like calmly telling them like, "Look man, right now we're cool, but when this when we bo- what we both know is going down goes down, like we're going for each other yeah. and like their big thing is since we've met face to face, like but we're not going to hesitate when it gets hot. We're if we're got to shoot, we're going to shoot." Which you got to appreciate when somebody's like, I know this might happen, so let's just set the ground rules now. No like no hard feelings. No hard feelings, but like, I don't know another life. You don't know another life. Yeah. And that's just, you know. You got to deal with Natalie Portman at home. I got to deal with this other actress whose name <laughs> escapes me at this moment at, um, back home. What's really interesting is that Pacino and De Niro didn't rehearse the scene at all before shooting it. Which, great. Yeah. So I guess the idea came from Robert De Niro to him. He was like, well, it seems pointless to rehearse it because there's not much movement that we need to plan and we want it to be as organic as possible. So mm-hmm. they just kind of sat down together and did it and it's a really fantastic scene. It's awesome. Uh, it's the whole point watch this movie. And it's amazing that this was the first time that they were on screen together. Like Absolutely. That always seems crazy. Everybody thinks it's Godfather 2 and I'm like kind of impossible, guys. Kind of impossible, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless you're counting like crossfades or something, but oh, <gasps> such a such a great scene. Great movie. Got that's another one to rewatch, man. We're getting that Kilmer sense too, so you get a great Val it's Kilmer true. performance. It's true. It is in there. nice to see Val Kilmer and our boy um, Buffalo Boys in that movie too. William Fickner's in there, so oh, that's, okay, always, yeah. that's always good to have. Oh, it's always we're running short on. T- okay, how about uh, Sudden Impact? Have you ever seen uh, 1983's Clint Eastwood? <gasps> I was gonna say it's Clint Eastwood, but I don't think I've seen it. It's one of the Dirty Harry ones. It's uh, the fourth one, as a matter of fact. They for, before they realized, hey, maybe we should brand this thing and throw the name Dirty Harry in a couple of these, oh. so people know what they are. Um, it's another. It's directed by Clint Eastwood, so it's going to be at least. Okay. It's a good directed movie. It looks okay. Good. Um, so basically, there's a rapist running around town. Dirty oh. Harry's got to, you know, he's chasing him. That's the main plot of the movie. But luckily, what actually is going on in this scene is where probably the most famous scene that basically created one of the most famous quotes in movie history because this is where the "Go ahead, make my day" oh. scene is from. If you have, it, it's one of those scenes that you've not seen the movie, you know exactly what yeah, it is. Where okay. Clint Eastwood is. Bearing down on this dude with a magnum, which, let's just stand back. If you have a magnum pointed at you from less than 10 feet away, <laughs> big gun. you're about to turn into, like, red dust if that <laughs> if he pulls the trigger on that thing. Does that scene happen in the diner or no? It, it's like, a, yeah, it happens, like, right outside of the diner okay. because the guy was uh, robbing and trying to com- um, kill people, and then he uh. gets outside, and that's where he gets held down by. Or he's on the ground, and he's getting, like, you're done. Okay. Dirty Harry, so... 
just one of the great all-time great Clint Eastwood scenes in a career that's just made up of great scenes. Yeah. The Make My Day, come on, everybody says. they. It's parodied so much, people don't even remember where it comes from. They just know it's part of, like, American vernacular. Totally true. I didn't know. Yeah, so go check it out, everybody. It's one of the better uh, Dirty Harry movies. Good movie history. Um, okay, here's a film maybe not as well-known, but I think that this is a really uh, quintessential 90s comedy, which is Gross Point Blank. I love Gross Point Blank. I love it, too. I've seen it at least 200 times. Because it's one then you know that breakfast diner scene is fantastic. Awesome. So we have John Cusack and Dan Aykroyd, and they are playing these kind of warring hitmen um, who wind up kind of drawing on one another over their poached eggs. Um, it is an incredible movie if you haven't seen it, especially Dan Aykroyd, whose character is fully insane. Oh, he is off the rails on and this I'm one. fully in for it. So it has that almost like heat where these two enemies are sitting down to breakfast and there's a lot of tension. I'm going to play just a really quick clip because I love it. Easy there, Chief. I don't see hollow point wound care on the menu. What are you in Detroit for? The Red Wings need a new goon. Hi, my name is Melanie. Let me tell you about some of our specials. Today, there's the alfalfa on my mind. That's our featured omelet. Or there's Gatsby's West Egg Omelet. And if you're in the mood for something different, there's the I Left My Heart in San Francesi. What do you have? Two poached eggs, scrape off the milky white stuff. Hash browns well done. English muffin for the bread and a coffee. Whole grain pancakes and an egg white omelet, please. What would you like in your omelet? Nothing in the omelet, nothing at all. Well, that's not technically an omelet. Well, I don't want to get into a semantic argument over it. I just want the protein, all right? So, Jacob, the question is, if you have an egg white omelet with nothing inside it, is it really an omelet? <laughs> I am with John Cusack on this one. It it's is. Fine. It's fine. Yeah, don't. I, if I wanted onions, man, I'm gonna ask for onions. Get I'm out not of going, here. I don't want to go over the semantics. Maybe I, I just, just want the protein. Yeah, maybe I just like my egg cooked on both sides, lady. Just make it happen. But that's not an omelet. That's just eggs. <laughs> then you just order like four eggs. Like no, no, no. I don't <laughs> want scrambled. You know what? We, we can get into the details of it. I'm with John Cusack entirely on this one. Just, just make the make the omelet. Oh, I, I just enjoy that movie so much. Um, all right, we're getting low, but come on, we got to do a couple more because they're too good. All right, uh, I got, well, 2012's Looper, one of the better sci-fi. Oh, uh, love that movie. Yeah, one of the better sci-fi movies of the past decade. What's it like if you're talking to an older <laughs> version of yourself that came back from the future that you tried to kill that's trying to change his future by cha- uh, messing you up? And there, There's the description. Yeah, jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis have a nice little face-off scene because that's what it is. Do you know what I love about that scene? I love that is Joseph Gordon-Levitt's looking at Bruce Willis, his future self, and he says, he's like, your face looks backwards to me. And I just love that. Because I was yeah. like, oh, of course, because you only see your own face in the mirror. So to see you presented with you, love it. Yeah, such a great thing. And if you oh, get that Joseph, that Joseph Gordon-Levitt added jaw that they put on him. To and make his him look nose. Like, yep. And they did a good job. Like they There did. are moments where I'm like, he really looks like Bruce Willis. That is a forgotten movie, I feel like. And I'm upset that it is because it is very good. But yeah, if you haven't seen Looper, everybody, it's great. 
uh, it makes you really hope you do not get kidnapped in the past by time travelers. To <laughs> this is a really excellent list of rewatchable films. Oh, absolutely. I feel like everything that we've talked about, you can watch multiple, multiple times. Oh, yeah. Um, real quick on the Tarantino tip, uh, True Romance and Reservoir Dogs both have amazing diner scenes oh, in them. Oh, the diner scene in Reservoir Dogs. That was one where I knew you'd pick it, and I was like, there'll be no clip here. No, won't be. Can't, afford, can't do that one. Steve Buscemi talking <laughs> about how he doesn't tip. Yo. The, oh. the tip scene, the Madonna scene, <laughs> writing about people in your little black book. Like, just <laughs> such great parts all around. I love all these movies. I really like, I need a month off to just rewatch old movies. I mean, I'm down with that. I'm fine with that too. And then I guess uh, on a small one, Road to Perdition, uh, for, another forgotten but classic Jude Law and Tom Hanks in here playing cat and mouse in a diner while they're trying to yeah, catch up to each Tom other. Yeah, and Tom Hanks is like really great in that. He has like that one perfect bead of sweat dripping down his face as mm-hmm. they like talk. I like to think of Tom. Oh, he's just thinking like one sweat, one sweat. <laughs> I can like hold the rest of it. I can do it. <laughs> just release one. Yeah, just let one out. And the um, director of Spielberg just slams his um, thing down. He's like, we that's why it. I hire that man. <laughs> I like that so much. Um, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a great scene, great movie. Everybody, go go check that one out. Okay, I have more, but I'll kind of just wrap it up here. The scene in Zodiac. Oh, that's another classic. Absolutely. There are three scenes at the fictional Callahan's Diner in Zodiac, but the best one is where um, Jake Gyllenhaal, and again, if you haven't seen it, it's kind of hard to explain, yeah. but he's a reporter. It's all about the Zodiac C- City Killer. City Slickers own Jake Gyllenhaal. And when... Um, Stop it. <laughs> Why do you bring that up? But anyway, Jake Gyllenhaal brings Mark Ruffalo to lunch to tell him that he thinks that he has figured out who the Zodiac Killer is, and it's a man named Arthur Lee Allen. Um, and he's just kind of going over it, and Mark Ruffalo's like, this is circumstantial, this is circumstantial. But then as he's getting into it more and more, he's using the salt and pepper shakers to model his demonstration, mm-hmm. and it's starting to look like he really knows what he's talking to um and i feel like this is an example it makes great use of the whole diner environment it seems really crucial to the scene like where else would this take place and it's really perfect you need that place that's got that third sugar container man and not everywhere has that your local (laughs) restaurant probably doesn't and then my last one i'll just slip in there is no country for old men ah another classic movie a lot of cones on here too a lot of cones a lot of repeats um and this in this scene we have grizzled ranger Tommy Lee Jones and he's reading the newspaper at a diner table across from his kind of earnest deputy and he's reading aloud a recent atrocity um, another he like just an evil that has transpired and the deputy laughs which is like a weird reaction but then Tommy Lee Jones like it's all right I, I mean I laugh myself sometimes ain't a whole lot else you can do yeah and you're like yeah kind of I don't laugh I'll just cry all day it's pretty yeah it sums it up like it's, it's all you can do man yeah and especially the atrocities going on in no country for old men <laughs> there are a few let me tell you now they're just practically perfect film but sadly we are out of time it's amazing that we could keep going because there are so many diners and so, films so but many Jacob why don't you plug us up? So if you are looking for a book that's got a suggestion for all of the best diners across the United States, you know where a place that might have such a thing is? Your local oh, library. Jeez, now I got to look and see if we own a book like that. Don't, Jacob, thanks a lot. Don't worry. <laughs> I already looked and we do. Okay. We have 37 branches all across Erie County. So stop on by and say hi to any one of them. Uh, don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalolib.org. See what kind of programs and activities we got going on. There will be stuff on there, folks. 
And uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at AllBookedUpPod and let us know what your favorite diner is today. Okay, did you know that diners began as 19th century lunch carts? That's their origin. So the the one that we know today, we kind of think of it as like the 1950s, but that is a really an evolved version of its predecessor, the whole like train car looking thing. Mm -hmm. And it really came from the horse-drawn lunch cart. And that is thanks to a man named Walter Scott. He was born in 1841, and he was selling food off of carts around Providence, Rhode Island as a child. And then in 1858, at the age of 17, he upgraded his business to sell sandwiches and coffee to late night patrons of men's clubs and to night workers. Mm. So, you know, he made his mark by making his business mobile and selling food on the run, kind of like an early food truck entrepreneur. And then that eventually evolved into the diner. You want your squirrel on a stick to go? That's the <laughs> guy in the 1800s. What, what state do you think is the diner capital of the world? Give me one guess. Michigan. <laughs> New Jersey. All right. <laughs> so there's no official count in the United States for how many diners there are, but it appears that the state of New Jersey seems to have the most. Oh. Um, it has sported more than 600 of them, which wow. was last counted in 2015. That's a lot of diners. Yeah. And it's kind of due to like their road network and geographical position because like a lot of people end up driving and they get off the road in New Jersey, I guess, and they got to eat. So a lot of Jersey's in New in yeah. a lot of jerseys and new diner. That's what oh, I'm saying on, here. On their, on their way to get murdered by Jason Voorhees. They're like, let's, get, let's grab <laughs> let's a bite. Let's get breakfast. Women, I think you think of most working in diners. The old kind of Alice looking, mm-hmm. got their little apron on. They what did want, not honey? eat or work in diners until the 1920s. Because, oh. yep, they were often denied service at restaurants, especially if they arrived on their own. Um, and they were often sexually segregated, so women were seated in a separate ladies' dining room. And it was only after World War One broke out that women began to work and eat in diners. Um, and now, I mean, it's really funny because... Yeah. That's really how you think of it. It's funny. Oh, great. We got that sweaty chef that was the guy that was giving me my food before then. It's like, awesome. That's exactly what I want. Exactly. It's much better now. And the last one is the term greasy spoon is not American diner lingo, oh. which I think I thought it was. Um, and it's understandable to think that it's kind of like an unclean diner serving not so palatable dishes. Um, that would be the reason the term exists. Speaking of Jersey. Considering how tough it was to wash the grease off of plates and cutleries um, in, you know, where most restaurants are serving hamburgers and fries. So it's happening. But the term is complicated. So greasy spoon goes back farther than the kind of dirty apron short order cook 1950s diner. According to um, uh, online dictionary, the term term dates back to 1906 and was meant to include dirty boarding houses as much as it did small and cheap restaurants. Oh, well, that's nice. That's pretty awesome. I like to think that, like, Dale Dove was sitting around washing dishes, and he's like, this grease, I've had enough. I'm this grease on this spoon, I'm done here. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to create something to clean this all. That's <laughs> and, an excellent thought. And that's where we got the dish detergent for everybody. So uh, thank you, Greasy Spoon, for that. Jacob's probably right. He's so smart. But <laughs> thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Thank you.